You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. John chapter number 21, uh, I'd like to begin reading in verse number one, and I'd like to focus on two words during our our message here tonight, that'll be the title, and I'll emphasize those and point those out. Uh, I'd like to be a help to us tonight and be an encouragement. You know, we're all going to face difficult times in life. It's not a matter of if we're going to face difficult times or uh, if we're going to face despair or if we're going to face disillusionment when maybe things don't go as planned or maybe things aren't working out as we thought that they'd work out. And it's during those times our reaction is so important how we deal with them. And I'm so glad we don't have to deal with it blindly. I'm so glad that we have an instruction manual that we can follow uh, God's word and believe in God, just as the lady's saying. I believe God. Hey, you know what? Everything is going to work out in the end. You know what? That end may not be here in this life. You know, we'd, I like to say with authority that, hey, look, you trust God and you do what's right and you're going to be blessed and you're going to have great health and everything is going to work out with the family, but it doesn't always work out that way. But I can say this, when we get to heaven, there's no more crying, no more pain, no more tears. We have something to look forward to. It's not just here in this life. But I believe that these tips that I'll give, these steps that I give, will be a help to us when we deal with it here in this life as well. John chapter number 21 and verse number 1. The Bible says, after these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples of the Sea of Tiberias. And on this wise showed he himself. There were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathanael of Cana and Galilee and the sons of Zebedee and two other of his disciples. And Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. And they say uh, unto him, we also go with thee. And they went forth and entered into a ship immediately. And that night they caught nothing. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore But the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus saith unto them, Children, have ye any meat? And they answered him, No. And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. And they cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, It is the Lord. If you would, look down at verse number 9. The Bible says, And as soon as they were come to land... They saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid thereon and bread. And Jesus saith to them, Bring of the fish which ye have now caught. And Simon Peter went up and drew the nets of the land, full of great fishes, an hundred and fifty and three. And for all there were so many, yet was not the net broken. I'd like to look back at verse number three. I'd like to highlight and point out just a couple of words here. The two words, that night. And I'd like to talk about that night and give a little bit of background of this story and what took place on that night. Maybe we're in the scenario of our lives in that night. And some things that take place there have taken place and some things that we can do to get through a that night situation. Father, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you for the opportunity that I have to preach the precious word of God. I thank you for your calling on my life. I know that I'm undeserving, I'm unworthy. But I thank you for your calling. I thank you for, uh, Lord, your mercy and your grace. I pray that you would speak to us through your word. Allow me to have wisdom as I preach. 
I pray that you'd help those who are discouraged to be encouraged as a result of your word. I pray that you give strength to those who are weak. I pray that you would speak to our hearts, for we ask these things in your name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Again, I'd like to talk about two words. The title of the sermon is That Night. That Night. I'd like to ask you a question. Have you ever had a bad day? Maybe it's, and, and you laugh because maybe it's not just one. Maybe there's been a bad week or maybe there's a bad year or maybe it's a bad decade, you know, or a bad century or a bad life. But have you ever had a bad day where it just seems like one thing after another keeps happening and you're just like, you know what, I think it's time to just go back to bed and then start new tomorrow morning. Maybe that was this morning and you woke up and maybe you were late waking up and as you woke up, you had a headache and your back hurt and your knees hurt and you didn't want to roll out of bed. You just said, hey, you know what, I already know it's going to be a bad day. Do you know, I didn't realize this, but there is a national have a bad day day. I didn't know that. It's on November 19th, just in case you're wondering. So you need to wait till that day to have a bad day. But uh, it's an annual celebration rejoiced on November 19th of every year. I wasn't aware of it, so now I am. So we'll have a bad day on that day from now on. And the question is asked, are you fed up with wishing everyone to have a nice day? To the people you meet or the customers you receive? If so, then it's a great chance for anyone to wish everyone to have a bad day. This date was created by individuals Ruth and Thomas Roy. And uh, they created the date for the purpose of giving uh, people working in sales and customer service industries to wish their customers to have a bad day. And I think it's more comical than anything else and just to be able to lighten the fact of just, hey, you don't say have a nice day, you say have a bad day in the end and allow people to release their feelings. I think that some customer service places, they celebrate that every day. And uh, you wonder sometimes, you know, hey, do you even enjoy working? Do you enjoy what you're doing? And uh, oftentimes maybe that's not the case. But have you ever had a bad day? A doctor said to a patient, I have bad news and I have worse news. The patient said, let's have it. The doctor said, the bad news is that you only have 24 hours to live. The patient said, well, I can't imagine what could be worse than that. And the doctor replied, I forgot to tell you yesterday. Have you ever had a bad day? There's a, a, um, an article that is entitled, Alexander and the Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day by Judith Vorst. And it goes on, it begins with saying, I went to sleep with gum in my mouth. And now there's gum in my hair. When I got out of bed this morning, I tripped on the skateboard. And by mistake, I dropped my sweater in the sink while the water was running. And I could tell it was going to be a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. At breakfast, it talks about his siblings found special things in their cereal boxes, but he had nothing in his. He makes a statement, I think I'll move to Australia. In the carpool, they didn't allow him to sit by the window. Other people sat there. Ian, he said he was scrunched. He said he was being smushed. He even told them, if I don't get a seat by the window, he's going to be car sick. But nobody even answered. And he could tell because of that, it was going to be a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. And it goes on, and he mentions moving to Australia. I'm not sure a few times in this, and maybe you've read it before. But in the end, he says, my mom says some days are just like that. 
even in Australia. And uh, I don't know, maybe today it's not been a good day. I hope it's not been a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. And I think sometimes we can get in our minds that a day is going to be those adjectives that we use to describe things. But I hope that's not the consistent everyday life in the life of a Christian. I hope we can still live on the victory side, even though circumstances and things don't go as planned and things happen in our life that cause disillusionment or despair, bad news is going to come. I hope that our reaction is still a reaction of positive. That, hey, God is still on the throne. Hey, God is still in control. Hey, God still answers prayer. And you know what? Regardless of what happens in this life, we have the, the, the hope of heaven when we die. And uh, you know what? This life, we, we have blessings in this life as well. God is good all the time. We mentioned, have you ever had a bad day? We're talking about that specific two words of that night. And how was that night a bad day or a bad time uh, for these disciples and specifically for Peter? I'd like to describe a little bit of background with this passage in order to put it in maybe a better light and to give more perspective on that night. First of all, I, I believe that there was confusion that was taking place. They didn't understand what was going on. And by the way, that wasn't just with catching fish. It says, and that night they caught nothing. We'll talk about that more, but it didn't just have to do with the fact that they went fishing and they didn't catch anything, which that's a bad day. But you know what? Uh, 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 if you go fishing, it's still a good day anyway, right? And some, some people will say, hey, oh, that's okay. And, uh, but you know what? It wasn't just about the fishing. There were some other things that were taking place. And uh, what do you do when... Things don't go as maybe you have planned. What is your reaction to it? I think about these disciples, and specifically Peter, that the Messiah, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, had come to earth. They had left all and followed Him. They saw the many miracles, which many they were a part of. They were around Him day and night to hear His messages. They thought that he was going to establish his kingdom on earth at that time. And this almost culminated when the people put the palm branches down and they shouted, Hosanna, blessed is the king of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord as Jesus entered Jerusalem on a donkey. Surely it was at this time that Jesus was establishing himself to be the king. And then everything else, all of life's problems would go away and everything would fall into place. However, just a short time later, they would nail his hands to that cross with the inscription above his head, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews, as he hung there on that cross. Arguably, they didn't understand what was taking place. He spoke about leaving them, but talked about leaving them with a comforter who would somehow be better for them to have with them since he would dwell inside of them instead of just being with them. And after his death, Jesus appears a few times to his disciples, but he didn't stay with them as he had done before. If you combine the fact that they didn't fully understand what was happening here with the fact that Peter denies Christ three times uh, preceding his death in spite of the fact that he had specifically vowed to follow Christ to the death. It leads to a broader scenario that was most likely filled with discouragement, disillusionment, and even despair. I wonder what circumstances have taken place in our lives 
that maybe we've been in a that night situation. Maybe we're currently in a that night situation or maybe we'll be facing a that night situation in the future. But trouble is going to come. Their life as they knew it was turned upside down. They didn't understand everything that was taking place. So what did they decide to do? Peter decided in John 21, verse number 3, so Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a-fishing. And this statement is so imperative because it was the very thing that God had called Peter from. See, it was a few chapters before that Jesus had saw uh, uh, Peter and them fishing, and he said, hey, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. He had a new occupation, a new calling for him. So he's going back on what God has called him to do. And maybe it was because it was something he was already familiar with. He was going back to maybe his comfort zone of what he had experienced before, maybe what was joyful to him before. And I wonder how many times in our life when we're facing discouragement or facing despair or maybe facing disillusionment that things aren't going as we thought that they were supposed to go and things are happening. We don't understand why they're happening, so we go back to what we are comfortable with before we were saved, before God's calling on our life and say, hey, you know what, at least then everything was okay. But yet something was different. The other disciples also decided to go with him. You know what, it's not if, but when. Trouble will come, and what will our reaction be when trouble comes? What do we do in times of discouragement? What do we do when we failed others or maybe we failed God in our lives? What do we do during those times of disillusionment when we don't know what the future holds? That night. You know what, a couple of things I'd like to describe that night as is, number one, I believe that that night there was emptiness. That night there was emptiness. You know, uh, we're not talking about just casual fishermen not catching anything. You know, that would be one thing if it was like, hey, you know what, uh, Brother Dan went out fishing and didn't catch anything. That would be a common occurrence. You know, there's a lot of things uh, with fishing, with, uh, you know, my neighbor when we lived on Thelma Road was actually a fishing guide. And at any point during the time, uh, he goes out on the Roanoke River and you ask him on any general day and time, and uh, that's what he gets paid to do. And he'll tell you, oh, this is what the water depth is. This is what the water temperature is. This is what the weather's like and knows the right areas to go. And that's a professional fisherman. If you ask me those questions, I don't know. You say, hey, let's go fishing. Okay, well, let's throw out something that the fish like to eat and sit there and wait and maybe they'll eat it. You know, recently I went into Walmart, and as I'm going through Walmart, I was buying some fish supplies, and I'm going through the aisle, and I'm looking at all these lures, and there's a whole aisle of them, and uh, you're looking there, and you're like, oh, man, that looks like a really good one there. So I threw that in the cart, and I'm oh, that one's really shiny, and I throw that one in the cart. But the reality is I have no idea if the fish like those lures or not because I'm not a professional fisherman. You just cast it out with the hopes that you'll catch something. You know, I remember oftentimes going fishing with my grandpa, and many times as we'd be on the way back, because we'd be skunked, you know, I'd be fishing, he'd be taking a nap in the truck, be like, sorry, we didn't catch anything, and we're just on the way home, and uh, he just liked to spend time with uh, the grandkids, and on the way home, I remember begging and pleading with him, Grandpa, we can't go home and tell everybody we didn't catch anything. Let's just stop by the store 
and we'll buy one of those fish, you know, not, not one that's already cut up and clean, but we'll buy one of them, we'll throw it in the, in the cooler, and we'll say, hey, look what we caught on the way. But you know what? He didn't, he didn't, he didn't appease my, my pleas despite how desperate that they were. But again, we're not talking about casual fishermen. We're talking about professional fishermen who fished all night, and that night they caught nothing. You know what? That was probably a little bit discouraging. That added to discouragement. You know what? Maybe it would be the case that he was discouraged because of the things that have happened and, and disillusioned and what was going on and not, not sure what was taking place. So he goes fishing and then they caught a great fish and he's like, you know what? Everything's going to be okay because look what I caught. I think sometimes we can deal with that in the Christian life. We can say, hey, you know what? Uh, things aren't going as I thought they were, so you know what? I'm going to stop following God. I'm going to go back to the things that I used to do to try and find fulfillment, to try and find satisfaction, to try and find that empty void that really only Jesus can satisfy, but yet we catch nothing. Nothing satisfies. You know, the things, uh, you know, uh, we, we, we sing that song, the things I used to do, I don't do them anymore. There's been a great change since I've been born again. And maybe some things in our life that used to give us satisfaction or used to give us temporary joy, we try and do it again, and yet all that comes is conviction. All that comes is emptiness. Only Jesus can satisfy your soul. Does it seem like everything that you're doing is not working? Does it seem like all of your efforts are fruitless? Have you lost your joy? Have you lost your fulfillment in life? Is it one of those that nights? You know, there was nothing else that they could do to catch fish. Have you tried everything that you know how to do to resolve an issue, to make sense out of what's taking place? Are there some things in life that you're trying to accomplish by yourself to no avail with our own sets of skills and abilities. You know what? Things were different than before. It's been said before that insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. Well, let me just say this. Things were not the same for Peter and the disciples as they were before. Hey, you know what? They had God's calling on their life. They had God's direction. They were supposed to be doing something different. And I believe that that is why they caught Nothing. That is why they didn't have fulfillment. That's why they didn't have satisfaction, if you will. You know what? God has called us once we're saved to do some things in life. One of those things that he's called us to do is to be a witness to everybody else, to tell everybody else what somebody has so graciously told you. That's a responsibility that we have. So if there's times of that night, there's times of uh, disappointment or despair, and we're feeling like, what, what is life about? Or uh, what am I doing here in life? Maybe it's time for us to tell somebody else what somebody has told you. We know we have several opportunities here in the church with organized times, but it doesn't take an organized time to tell somebody about what God is doing in your life. And by the way, that's a responsibility, that's a command that God has given to us. Maybe we've lost our fulfillment in life because we're not following Christ as he's told us to follow him. Maybe we're experiencing a that night. I see that it was empty. Secondly, I see that there was, there was empathy that was taking place. In verse number three, the Bible says, And Simon saith unto him, I go a-fishing. And they say unto him, We also go with thee. 
Empathy is sharing in the feelings of another, which is good to have empathy. You've heard it said before that misery loves company. People who are discouraged or unhappy love to share their feelings with others. You know what? I don't think it's a bad thing to tell someone, hey, I'm having a hard time. But you know what? We've got to do something else about it. We can't be discouraged and surrounding ourselves with others who are discouraged. And uh, here's a statement. It can be discouraging to surround yourself with others who are in the same boat. And by the way, these folks were in the same boat. But I'm saying the same or similar circumstances. If, if we're going through a hard time, if, if we're discouraged, if we're not getting uh, what we need with fulfillment, you know what? It'd be even worse to start associating yourself with other people in the same boat as that. You know what? It would be helpful to find somebody who's on fire, to find somebody and say, hey, you know what? Uh, pray with me. Hey, help me through this situation. Or maybe you've dealt with despair before. You've dealt with discouragement. Can you help me out in this situation? There was empathy that took place. How do we get through that night? How do we get through times of discouragement? How do we get through times of disillusionment and despair? I'd like to give us quickly three things. The first one is the word look. Look for Jesus in every situation. Look, if you will, at verse number four. The Bible says, but when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore. And the disciples looked over. And they recognized Jesus and said, hey, look, it's Jesus standing there on the shore. Hey, uh, we're a little bit discouraged. Hey, we're not sure what's going on, but, but there's Jesus right there. Is that what the Bible says happened? They didn't even recognize that it was Jesus. I wonder how many situations that we face in life that if we would merely take our eyes off of our problems, if we'd merely take our eyes off the circumstances and look around, we could find Jesus in that situation. But let me just say this, he's there, he's not gone anywhere. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, the Bible says. We need to look for Jesus in every situation. He was standing on the shore. But in order to see him, we have to focus on the details. We have to focus on him. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face, and the things of this earth will go strangely dim. But too often, I think it's the opposite. We're so focused on what happens in this life. And by the way, that's the normal thing to do, because that's what we deal with every day. But we have to be intentional to find Jesus in every situation. Hey, I don't know why every situation happens, but I can tell you this. God can make every situation and work it for good. For his glory and for his honor, we need to give him the glory. We need to look for Jesus. Where is Jesus in your situation? Are you seeking his face? You have to stop looking at the circumstances in order to see the Savior. Look for Jesus. Number two, listen for his voice. You know what? He was speaking. And by the way, let me just say this. In order to hear something, you have to stop talking. And by the way, how he comes is a still, small voice. See, I would love it if there was writing in the sky that says, hey, here's what I have for you. Here's why this is going on, an audible voice. But that's not how the Holy Spirit works. In order for us to hear him, you know what we have to do? We have to stop what we're doing. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. But what does it take? It takes waiting. Sometimes we're so busy in a circumstance that we just have to stop and say, hey, you know what? I'm trying everything in my power, but God, I can't do it by myself. 
I need your help. I need your wisdom. I need your power. I need your intervention in this situation. And you know what? Then God can step in. What, what, what is Jesus saying in your situation? When is the last time that he spoke to you? And by the way, it says here, Then Jesus, in verse number 5, saith unto them, Children, have ye any meat? And they answered him, No. And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. And by the way, the Bible doesn't say at this point in time they knew it was Jesus. And I would dare say that if I'm a professional fisherman, and I've been fishing all night long, and some random individual on the shore says, Hey, cast your net on the other side, I'd probably say, you're not a professional fisherman. But I wonder if something clicked at that point in time and they remembered, hey, you know what? This sounds oddly familiar. When Peter was on the boat before and Jesus said, hey, cast your nets on the other side. I wonder if some of that started to think in that maybe originally they were like, I'm not sure that that makes sense. And all of a sudden they started to think, you know what? This is a little bit familiar to us. You know what, it wouldn't have been logical to think that all the fish were on one side of the boat and not on the other side. But you know what, sometimes in life, God tells us to do things that in our minds don't seem logical. You know, I think of even giving. You know what, I, I've, I, I, I've, never, I've never, you know, rarely, I, I never rarely, you like that statement there? But you know what, in, in life, it doesn't seem logical that if we're having a hard time paying our bills that all of a sudden we're gonna obey God and give money to the church. But yet, that's God's plan for how things does. And you know what? When we do what God has already told us to do miraculously, there's a lot of other things that just fall into place. But we just need to focus on what God is telling us to do, even if it doesn't seem logical, even if it doesn't make earthly sense. They looked. You know what? We need to look for Jesus in every situation. We need to listen to him in every situation. And lastly, we need to labor. Labor is obeying what he has already told you to do. You say, well, I know what I'm supposed to do. But are you doing it? God does not reveal his unknown will until we do his known will. Now, maybe you're having a that night situation with discouragement, defeat, disillusionment, despair, because we're not doing what God has already told us to do. And how can we ever find God in a situation if we don't simply stop what we're doing and say, hey God, you know what, I surrender. I'm gonna do what you've called me to do. I'm gonna do what you've already told me to do. What do we know that he's already told us to do? Hey, read, our, re read his word, study his word. What has he already told us to do? Pray. You say, hey, why pray every day for my food? No, pray. Men ought always to pray. Pray about everything. You know, Jesus said in John 4, 34, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. What is your meat? What is your desire? What is your goal here in this life? I hope it's to do his will. Whatever God has, how are we going to do that? By obeying what he's already told us to do. How do we get through that night? Look for Jesus. Listen for his voice and labor in the things that we already know that we should be doing. What would have happened if they would have said, you know what, here's this guy standing on the shore. I know what I'm supposed to do. Jesus said to follow me. I know that he's told me to cast my nets on the other side. 
but I'm just, not re- I'm just not willing, I'm just not ready to do it. They wouldn't have saw the miracle that God has for them. And you know what? The miracles come when we obey what God has already told us to do. And here's one other point that I think is great in this situation. You know what? God showed up despite their actions. You know what? God showed up and intervened despite where they were at. You know, I think oftentimes we attribute, you know what, we can only be blessed by God. God is only going to have his hand upon his life if, I, if I'm doing these things. But you know what, if that was the case, you know, there are many times that I wouldn't be blessed. I'm so glad that in my life God has blessed me despite of me. And by the way, God can use anyone. God used a donkey to speak and to speak sense into an individual. God can use whoever he wants, whenever he wants, however he wants. But you know what? God gives us a prescription for, hey, here's what I would like for you to do. And you know what that is? To obey his voice and what he's already told you to do. What do you do when things don't go as you planned? What do you do when what has always worked doesn't seem to be working? Just a few helpful hints. And maybe we're dealing with a that night situation. Maybe it's somebody we know that is in a that night situation. And they're, they're not in church. They've, they've fallen out for whatever reason. You know what we can do? We can pray for them. We can encourage them. And we can look and find Jesus in every situation that we face. Where are we at? Well, how are we going to get through that night? I'm so glad that Jesus showed up in this situation. He blessed and had his hand upon them, even though they were turned away from following him. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.